bi-weekly podcast. I'm your host, Chris Gast. Happy Wednesday, everyone. It's August 8th, the day after Election Day. Joining me today is Catherine Kinsey, our new Education and Events Coordinator here. Welcome to LifeBeat, Catherine. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So you uh, you just graduated from Aquinas College, and uh, mm-hmm. you have a degree in nonprofit administration, and now you are administering a nonprofit. How does it feel? <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yep, I just graduated last spring, and I'm definitely excited to be here. Well, you really had a kind of interesting start. Uh, you got hired right in the middle of an election season, and we just had the election yesterday. It was a pretty big election. The biggest race that we were involved in, um, the Right to Life Michigan PAC endorsed John James over Sandy Pensler for U.S. Senate, and John James won. And, uh, you know, we just had a chance to meet John James in the office last week. What did you think? Yeah, it was a crazy day. We had a ton of people in the office. It was really fun to get to meet him personally and hear how passionate he really was about the pro-life mission. He definitely was. Um, we, he, he was even looking at some fetal models we had here in the office, and um, that'll make for an interesting story. Maybe we'll tell someday, <laughs> but uh, uh, pretty genuine guy. Uh, I, I remember at one point one guy stopped him and started talking about, to him about special education policy, mm-hmm. and he was obviously uh, studied up enough about it to have a good conversation about it, so that's always encouraging. Um, he was 100% pro-life. His opponent was not. And so it's very encouraging he won because now we have a 100% pro-life challenger to go against Debbie Stabenow in the upcoming election. <laughs> and uh, so you haven't been around too long. Debbie Stabenow is, uh, have you heard the, ever heard her nickname Do Nothing Debbie? Yes. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so that's good. No, um, she uh, is not known for doing a lot other than running for re-election. But mm-hmm. she's very good at running for re-election. And so that's going to be a very <laughs> difficult fight. Right, yeah. We're already preparing for it, that's for sure. Yeah, we have a lot of information on our website already, uh, rtl.org. You can find a comparison piece listing her views on pro-life issues compared with John James. Uh, We've detailed her record extensively on our blog. You can get that right off of our front page, so be sure to check that out. Uh, The other big news was the governor's race. Uh, Well, two pieces of news. We'll get to the other one in a second. I promised I would compose myself before we talked <laughs> about it. Um, so in the governor's race, we know the nominees will be on the Republican side, Bill Schuette, our on-duty pro-life attorney general, and Gretchen Whitmer, who is a longtime uh, leader in the state legislature and is pro-abortion as they come. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think uh, the biggest thing there is um, we, for the last eight years, have had a governor who is kind of sort of pro-life and kind of sort of not. And so we've had an opportunity to pass legislation. We have the opportunity to do a couple big things, but we had a lot of opportunities pass us by because Governor Snyder wasn't willing to do that. And so the difference between that and having a pro-life attorney general on our side is huge. And also the difference even between Rick Snyder and a Gretchen Whitmer who hates our guts is going to be huge as well. (laughs) Yeah, especially with uh, everything that's going on with the possibility of Roe versus Wade and all that. It's definitely 
hugely important to have a pro-life governor. Absolutely. If we uh, if, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, the law comes back to the states, we have a pro-life governor, we have a pro-life attorney general, we have an opportunity to protect uh, unborn lives and restore our law. And if we don't have that, uh, we don't have that opportunity. Right. And so human lives are always at stake in these elections. So one more race I thought we'd talk about, and uh, we'll give you uh, full results about all of our, all the RLM PAC endorsements uh, a little later. We're still going through, you know, there's hundreds of endorsements and, and, and going through and looking at all that. But the curious case of State Senator David Knizek. Yes. So <laughs> we have a, a situation where in Michigan, if you are running for office, you have to do all this campaign finance stuff, and we have to do it too as an organization involved in politics, but you can get out a lot of that if you sign a waiver saying, I promise not to spend more than $1,000 on this election, which basically means your candidacy is not going to happen because you're not going to win anything. Well, we had a person who filed a waiver running against a sitting state senator, uh, Democrat state senator David Knizek in the uh, Detroit area, uh, western suburbs, Garden City, Inkster, and this candidate won. Yeah, just out of the blue, completely. She did, I mean, nothing. Nothing. They can't, you look at reporters today, they, they can't find her. They, they can't really, <laughs> they're wondering if she was a real human being. They can't contact her. She never Who contacted knows? anyone. She never campaigned. It's a total mystery. It's a total mystery. <laughs> and I know most people are not as interested as me, but... Uh, this was probably a first in Michigan history that a candidate who didn't even campaign beat a sitting incumbent. Yeah. And a, the, any of the conclusions you can draw out of it, whether they didn't like him because he, uh, uh, for some sort of demographic reason, may, uh, the Detroit News and others were speculating that maybe it's because he was a man or he had a, some uh, guy... Uh, who a reporter talked to said it's because he has a Polish last name. Apparently they don't like <laughs> Polish people. Um, or uh, some sort of electoral flaw or a fraud, which is rumored to happen in Detroit yes. for a very long time. But So any conclusion that comes out of this is, uh, is troubling in some way. Right, yeah. I'm just interested to hear like where this goes, what really happens if she's going to show up and be a senator? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So if you get elected, so if you got elected a state senator, someone today just told you, oh, by the way, Catherine, you're now a state senator. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess you showed yeah, up, right? I would show up, maybe freak out a little. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, um, one more issue I wanted to talk about with the election. Um, as Catherine mentioned, uh, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, we have a law in Michigan that may have the opportunity to go back into effect. And uh, media is starting to take notice of this. They're actually treating it like Roe versus Wade is really under threat, which we hope's the case, okay. but may not necessarily be, um, depending on what the Supreme Court does. And we still have to get Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court too. So that's a whole other story. But uh, the news, uh, pro-abortion news website, called this law a zombie law. Our pro-life law is a zombie law, presumably the that because it would sort of come back from the dead but it's not dead it's actually in effect today and it's still technically being enforced in situation the very few situations it can be right yeah and uh, it seem it really has more support than the roe versus wade law in terms of 
who believes what about abortion, like the different views that Roe versus Wade has on abortion. Right. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks before Roe versus Wade, this law was before the Michigan voters, and 60% of them voted to support this law. How many people voted on Roe versus Wade, Catherine? Nobody. Nobody. Zero. And uh, if you look at polling, uh, it, it's roughly, I think, a Gallup poll found only 20% of people think that abortion should be generally legal in the third trimester, which it is because of Roe versus right. Wade. And so this zombie law is very much alive. One other thing they talked about in this article about our zombie law was the position of the governor candidates on the Democratic side. And uh, sadly, all three of the candidates, and of course it only matters what Gretchen Whitmer thinks now because she is the candidate, <laughs> but uh, as pro-abortion as they could possibly be. Yeah, they, they just were for basically every pro-abortion stance that you could have. That's right. Uh, you have to force taxpayers to fund abortion. Abortion has to be legal up to and including the birth process. They want to make partial birth abortion legal again. You can't regulate abortion clinics. If you're a doctor or a nurse in your pro-life, you have to help with abortions. Mm -hmm. If you have an insurance plan, you have to help pay for abortions. Eliminating uh, if, the waiting period, right? Right, yeah. If, if there's no waiting period, if you are a uh, parent and your kid is secretly getting an abortion, that's okay with them. There's nothing there. Right. I don't know. Uh, that doesn't pull very well when you actually ask people what they think about abortion. Pretty much all of those laws draw broad public support. But what you're going to see is uh, Gretchen Whitmer, Debbie Stabenow, and others are going to try to talk about euphemisms, women's health. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. As a woman, do you feel oppressed by our zombie law? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> I would definitely prefer that law. Yeah, so um, they're going to try to talk about euphemisms, and so I think our job as pro-life people is to actually talk about the facts and talk about what the laws actually say. Mm -hmm. And we'll see what happens. All right, another story I wanted to cover, uh, the Food and Drug Administration Normally, you might think of them as uh, regulating the prescription medication that we all take, uh, food. That's kind of your typical view most people have of the FDA. I know there's some people with views on, say, um, vaccines or genetically modified crops or things like that who really don't like the FB FDA. But um, now they have a very interesting news story that they're involved in. And so uh, before you were hired, but of course you and most people are aware of, David Delighting did some undercover videos showing okay. that these abortion clinics are taking human lives and then selling their perfectly functioning organs to people for medical research. And now we've learned that the FDA are one of those groups purchasing yeah, these baby body parts. unbelievable. I would have never imagined that happening. Yeah, so our own federal government is, enjoy, uh, is engaged in human organ trafficking. It's nuts, yeah. Well, yeah, people thought so. You know, we shared that on Facebook. And um, in the middle, on election day, everyone's focused on the election, but that's the kind of story you definitely uh, don't want to ignore. And uh, it got a lot of attention, and a lot of people read it. And we'll see where it goes from there, but... Um, it all goes back to that David Delayden investigation. Uh, during the investigation, 
besides Planned so Planned Parenthood uh, was the one he was investigating. They performed these abortions, and there's all these little companies that they would sell them to, and one of them uh, was ABR, and that was a company that got brought up in these Delighton videos, and it turns out ABR has a contract with our federal government, so your tax dollars are paying ABR to go into these abortion clinics and take the organs of children in what has to be uh, generally late-term abortions, second and third trimester abortions. Right, and the report was saying they didn't even answer most of the questions that they were asked about if they knew that the abortion was happening or all these different things they could not, they would not respond to. And that's a great point is, you know, and why people don't hear about it, and some people dismiss the Delighton videos as fake, is it's an uncomfortable topic, and they don't want to address it because right. they know that people. When people hear that, I remember when the Delighton videos broke. I had some people. I have people come up to me and say, "Is this true? Could this be?" Yeah. And it's like, "Yeah, it's true," and it's even worse than that in some cases. So, did you think that that was? <laughs> So when you signed up for a job, you thought you were going to be talking about the issue of abortion, and I don't know what you thought, but here you are, and you're uh, reading about human organ trafficking. Who knew? Yeah, that's, I mean, it's really sad and scary, but yeah, definitely surprising. Does that qualify as the weirdest story you've heard since you've been here? I would say so, yeah. Well, that and the election <laughs> story of <laughs> the nobody... Yeah, the no, the nobody, the generic name yeah. on the ballot beating a sitting state senator, which is really strange. Yeah. Um, and the state senator didn't have any like scandals I'm aware of. But anyway, um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of crazy stories. I know when we left uh, Natalie's last episode, we talked about the craziest story she heard. So you're prepared for more, right? Yeah, I already have some on my list. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's like Alice in Wonderland. You know, when you work yeah. in the pro-life movement, you start to see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Mm -hmm. And when you think you've hit the bottom, you have to dig deeper because it keeps on going. Right. We'll see what happens. Um, it's pretty ironic considering that uh, Congress referred some of these organizations involved in this human organ trafficking through abortion uh, to the FBI for investigation. And so we have the federal government potentially investigating itself? Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> How does that work? I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess the FBI will have to look into the FDA. And why is, you know, um, the FDA did say the only, you mentioned the media asked some questions. The only one they did respond with basically was, we followed all the laws, we followed all the laws. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is an issue that goes even deeper than following the laws. It's, uh, it cuts to the heart of what does it mean to be a human being and what do we use children for? Uh, and, you know, our society and children should, or our society should value children because right. they are children. Right. And because that's a good thing. That's the next generation. But increasingly we see in society that society is valuing children only for what they can do for us. Exactly. Yeah, it's really troubling. Uh, another story uh, we wanted to also cover, and uh, it's an encouraging story to shift gears yes. here in a major way. <laughs> uh, so last year, we gave grants to pregnancy centers inside the city of Detroit, and the reasoning was uh, as the abortion rate has declined in Michigan, uh, Detroit, Wayne County, that abortion rate has been very stagnant. It hasn't dropped as fast. The abortion rate is still appallingly high there. 
Uh, this definitely is an issue with um, that uh, really in, involves race, sadly. When you look at statistics, uh, I believe black women make up 14% of the female population in Michigan, but they have 50% of abortions. And no one really seems to want to talk about that or even really address it. Yeah, the, I mean, this has always been just appalling to me. I do not know how people don't see that this is an issue. And, and we, and we, we, you know, we're, we've been mystified by it. It's maybe it's because it's embarrassing. You don't want to talk about it, but um, you know, someone needs to address it. And if that's going to be, if it's going to have to be us. Then it's going to have to be us. And so, uh, one of the big problems that we have is. All around the state, there are pregnancy centers, and for the most part, they can count on the support of their local Right to Life of Michigan affiliate. And, um, you know, we're not a pregnancy center. We deal with education, legislative, and political action. They do their pregnancy center work sometimes. Uh, there's issues that come between. A lot of people that uh, work or volunteer for our affiliates, you know, help out their local pregnancy centers. And so, they have that relationship, but we don't have an affiliate inside the city limit of Detroit. Right. We are. We have nobody on the ground there. Yeah. Well, I, I should say I shouldn't say that. We have affiliates around the city, and a lot of them uh, will go in and help. We learned about one Emmanuel, one of our super volunteers. Yeah. In the just trip. Doing everything. Yeah, he does everything there, doesn't yeah. he? We'll talk about him in a second. Um, but. There's no one there. And so one thing that we can do then is we're going to step in the gap and help some of the pregnancy centers that are fighting to address this inside the city limits of Detroit. So um, we visited three centers last year and gave grants. One of the centers had a couple locations. And then this year we also added three more centers. Yeah, and we just got to visit them. Was that last week? Two, Two weeks, weeks ago. ago. <laughs> I know. You aged pretty fast in the election. <laughs> Yeah, no, but that was a really fun experience. We got to go visit three of the centers and hear all of their stories. Yeah, we did hear a lot. And so um, the first one we visited, and they're all very different, which is what strikes me about these pro-life pregnancy centers. So, uh, so the first one we went to was Lincoln Park Crisis Pregnancy Center. This is, they said, 100% volunteer run. Yeah. They don't have a single person getting paid to run that organization. That's impressive. Yeah, that was amazing to me. Yeah, it's in a it's in a building there, right off a busy street in Lincoln Park. We actually went in there, and there was a client there. Yeah. So th they didn't have time to you know give us a grand tour. They were in the middle of uh, getting to work, but uh, we were happy to give them a grant. And then we drove up to the north side of Detroit. Is it the north side? Yes. Yeah, it's the north yep. side. I would call mm -hmm. it that. And uh, the Detroit Pregnancy Help Test and, and Test Help and Help Center. Center. Yes. Their name is a little bit of a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, they've said they're thinking about changing it, but really they're the most, uh, not unique, but the most interesting uh, pregnancy center of the lot because uh, of who's right almost next door to them. So right. you go one building, a little side street over, and there is Summit. Yes. The most infamous abortion clinic in the city of uh, Detroit and perhaps all of Michigan. And maybe, in fact, yeah. the oldest one, too, that's currently operating. Yeah, and they said they had just moved to that no location that was so close and what was, in November was that, right? Yeah, it, it was really recently and, and this is a center that's had issues with, uh, they, they were located uh, you know somewhere else, they've had issues with 
getting uh, leadership and getting the building. They said that since they've opened up there, they've had a lot of issues from the summit people who tell mm -hmm. them that if you women go to this pregnancy center, they're going to... Dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Just all sorts of lies about the pregnancy centers. Yeah. Did you feel like they were angry, evil people when you no, stepped in there? No, no, it was a great place to walk into. Yeah, they're, it was, they're in the process of renovating it, and uh, so it looked very new. The staff was really welcoming. The The director's a real spark plug. Yeah. She uh, was just so happy, and I felt, I just felt, I remember we got in the car after we left, and I said, I just have such a good feeling about this center. Yeah, it, it definitely had that feeling. Yeah. She had a lot of passion. She did, and so um, they can obviously need the help, too, uh, to get things up off the ground. And then we went to the third location. We actually went all the way up in Detroit, which is a little misleading because uh, the third grant went to the ICU birth choice yes. mobile unit. Yeah, so that was also very unique. It was just, it was an RV location. That's right. They have a, if you've heard of the pro-life group Save the Storks or uh, this ICU organization also does it, or the two main groups that I've heard of, but they had this pioneering concept that um, sometimes you can't always get the pregnancy center near the abortion clinic, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you can't have a nice ultrasound machine Yes, take the right ultrasound to the abortion clinic. That's right. Um, and so they will park right next to an abortion clinic, and they will invite women into the RV to have right. free ultrasound, yeah. which, you know, I asked them, it seems, how do you do that? How do you convince a woman to go in there? But they said that... Um, you know, the, the RV, it's very nicely painted. It looks very yeah. professional. The the director there um, who's involved with our affiliate, you know, she's very nice and welcoming. Right. It felt very homey. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. She said that, correct me if I'm wrong, but she said that because it has a more homey kind of relaxed atmosphere that it kind of helps clients talk even more in that setting yeah, than I... as opposed to a pregnancy center, which often looks very... It's almost like a medical clinic, very clean, very organized, you know, right, very yeah. meticulous. Yeah, she said it was, yeah, helpful for them to relax and feel comfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, they obviously can can use the help. They have a difficulty. They, they don't have this nice center where they can take people on tours on. Um, and she said they continue to help women they've seen for well, even though they're they don't have as many resources as a brick and mortar pregnancy center, which they work mm -hmm. with. They work with a lot of them, but um, it's just uh, it's just a challenge. Yeah. So I thought we'd just share the story of Emmanuel really quick. Yes. Because it's quite an interesting story. So uh, Emmanuel is a volunteer at our uh, our Downriver office out there in Wayne County. You often see him there helping out there. And I didn't realize that in addition to doing that, he is a sidewalk counselor at Summit. Yes. He's a volunteer at the Pregnancy Center there right next to Summit. Right. And he's the driver for the ICU mobile yeah. unit. <laughs> so if you think that you've done enough pro-life stuff in your day, just ask you've got Emmanuel. nothing on a manual. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it's just, it always blows me away how our people manage to find time and resources to give. And so um, obviously he's a very busy guy. You know, he, he's got the whole gamut of the pro-life movement, right? Yeah. He helps out with affiliates. 
He helps out at Pranksy Center and he's a sidewalk counselor. So he covers yes. pretty much all of it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I mean, um, he's right up there. And of course, you know, we talk about crazy stories that we read in the office. And, um, and you heard a couple of Emanuels and I've heard many more, but the stories you hear from the abortion clinics and outside the abortion clinics are truly remarkable, for yeah. lack of a better word. And I mean, definitely was inspiring to hear the success stories because like you hear about all the behind the scenes work and then you see the people actually going to the abortion clinics and saving the babies. Right. Yeah. It's hard. You know, you work, if you work in the right to life movement, you're focused on education, legislation, political action, on all the like kind of top level stuff. So it's encouraging. You go to pregnancy center, you see that literature that you worked on that yep. you never see people reading is sitting there yeah. and people have read it. And, um, you know, you see, you know, and we also gave grants to the three centers that we did last year too. And it's encouraging to see them do their work as we develop a closer relationship with them. Um, and so uh, you're not like uh, you're not necessarily like an Emmanuel who gets to see the whole a bird's eye view almost of the whole movement because he's involved yeah. in all of it. And uh, also Emmanuel kind of told a little bit about the darker side of the issue. Um, there's been security guards that he's had uncomfortable situations with. Probably don't want to get into details. It's interesting um, just hearing you know talk about it. I, I I remember one time I was doing 40 Days for Life in front of the abortion clinic here in. Grand Rapids and someone simulated a drive-by shooting. I have no idea yeah. if Whoa. they were pro-abortion or what, but, you know, funny things happen at abortion clinics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so if you're listening to this and, and you might just happen to be in a situation yourself with a crisis pregnancy or you know someone is in one of those situations, you know, these pregnancy centers, they're more than just inside the city limits of Detroit. Like I said, they're all over the state. We have more than 150 locations that we list on our website that provide pregnancy help or adoption help that runs the gamut from uh, counseling to ultrasounds to clothes, formula, some offer GED programs. Uh, they're all over the map, but the one thing they all have in common is they are, uh, if they can't help you themselves, they're going to be able to find some help for you because that's what they're there to do and that's what they are really passionate about. Yeah, they do amazing stuff. They do and hopefully we'll have a little bit more on that center in Detroit next to Summit uh, pretty soon. It's a pretty interesting story you'll want to yeah. hear more about. Alright, that's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again in two weeks. Have a wonderful week.